0: Welcome to Opening Dharma Access, a podcast where we hear stories from BIPOC teachers about their Dharma experiences and practice and how these inform the ways they are sharing the Dharma today. I'm Reverend Leon, your host for this episode. Joining me today is Anushka Fernando Pole. She is on the Spirit Rock Teachers Council and has trained for over 30 years in the Theravada Buddhist tradition in the US, India, and Sri Lanka. Anushka lives in San Francisco and teaches retreats and workshops around the world. They also work as a leadership coach and management consultant, influenced by a BA in anthropology and religion from Harvard and an MBA from Yale. Her teaching is informed by nature, creative arts, political engagement, and modern urban life. Welcome Anushka. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you for agreeing to um, talk with us and share yourself and your teaching with the listeners. Sure. Let's start out by, um, from your own words and uh, perspective, how you identify racially, ethnically, and any other categories of social location that are of importance to you right now.
1: Sure. I identify as a person of color. (laughs) I identify as South Asian. I identify as Sri Lankan American. I identify as Asian American. Uh, I identify as BIPOC. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see what else I can do. <laughs> There's many different, uh, identify, yeah. you know, depending on the context, which the expanded or contracted version of those. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I definitely identify as personal color. And um, I identify also as queer or lesbian. Um, depending on the day, genderqueer also, mm-hmm. mm, gay, mm. yeah. When I'm in nature, I identify as human uh-huh. in, in relationship to the animals.
0: Yeah. Oh, great. And you love nature. Or you're on nature a lot.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm a big fan of nature. I like, um, hiking and, um, uh, being near water. I'm also an enthusiast of wildlife and birds and I've become uh-huh. even more of a birder uh, uh-huh. since the pandemic. Yeah, so I took a, a birding uh, class for a year, like a master birding class. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm oh. a big nature nature enthusiast. Nice. For sure. And we have so much in the Bay Area I we're very blessed to yeah. have mountains and water and uh, all different kinds.
0: Uh-huh. Um, and what has been helpful to you as a BIPOC Dharma practitioner? And uh, and then are there any suggestions you have for how our communities could be more supportive to BIPOC practitioners and teachers now? Hmm. Maybe say a little should, bit
1: about your lineage and where you teach mostly. Yeah, maybe I'll add also one uh, social location, actually, now that we're getting to this question, which is I identify as being from an immigrant family. So my family are immigrants from Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. They came to the U.S. Um, just before I was born.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. I was an
1: anchor baby. My mom came pregnant with me. Oh,
0: okay. I've never and, heard of that, an anchor baby.
1: Yes, it's a term that usually is used by um, right-wing people who don't want that to happen, who don't want people of color to be able to have citizenship by having birth in the U.S. Ah. So, yeah. Yeah. They don't mind so much if like Norwegian people will do that. Like, <laughs> of course, of course. Brown yeah. and black people are <laughs> not, not excited about So Yeah. So my lineage is the Theravada Buddhist lineage, which is actually the kind of Buddhism in Sri Lanka. So it's kind of old school Buddhism. You could call it like the way of the elders sometimes mm-hmm. it's called. And in the kind of evolution of Buddhism, my, there was a sort of Theravada Buddhism, then kind of moved into, you know, Mahayana and then Vajrayana, Tibetan Buddhism. And then, you know, much later on has uh, come into the West in a variety of ways. So I teach and I'm authorized as a teacher in the insight meditation tradition, which is uh, the sort of Western branch of this Theravada Buddhist lineage. Uh, Theravada Buddhism is usually in like Burma, Sri Lanka, Thailand. Um, And the Western teachers who uh, teach in places like Spirit Rock and Insight Meditation Society in Massachusetts, Gaia House in the UK, um, all of which are places that I teach regularly, uh, usually were trained by uh, teachers from those countries, Thailand, Burma, Sri Lanka, and trained in monasteries Mm -hmm. in those places. Um, At least the more senior teachers did and then the next generations of teachers have um, m- maybe more often been trained by the Western teachers, but mm-hmm. the lineage kind of goes through those uh, countries. Uh, so I myself have actually also trained both in the U.S. and then I spent time in Sri Lanka for several years in my 20s
0: mm-hmm. in
1: monasteries and practice centers there and did some pilgrimage in India, mm-hmm. in Buddhist holy sites there. So I feel like I'm kind of a hybrid vehicle of uh, (laughs) Asian and American Buddhism, there's a little bit of
0: discussion these days, what exactly is Asian American Buddhism? And, uh, you know, there's so many variations of that. So,
1: right? right, Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, Yeah, the my, my lineage holding is in the Western branch of it is where I was asked to start teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways like the lay person lineage in the West, like through spirit rock and inside meditation mm-hmm. does have more female teachers, queer teachers, you know, is more, um, spacious in terms of identity and who is, uh, recognized as a teacher. Mm -hmm.
0: What about the part about what would have been helpful to you as a BIPOC Dharma practitioner in the convert insight tradition of the West of the United States and the UK. And, uh, and from there, what are suggestions you have for how communities can support BIPOC practitioners, especially if I remember correctly, um, you and Larry and Bonnie Duran and me became the first teachers of color on the teacher council at Spear Rock. Is that correct?
1: Uh, oh, uh, spring part- maybe, and spring. Partially Watson. correct. So, uh-huh. so uh, yeah, Larry, Spring, and I uh-huh. were the first people of color on the teachers council. Bonnie was um, in later teacher trainings, okay. um, but now, but now is also on the teachers council. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah at the time that I was beginning my practice I didn't know that there were people of color I don't think that there was people of color retreats then maybe in like late 80s early 90s or yeah I don't think that there was so much and then many of the retreats I went I was the only person of color Mm -hmm. there uh, including a three-month retreat first three-month retreat I did in Mm -hmm. 1991 I was the Mm -hmm. only person of color Mm -hmm. there which sort of surprised me I was like 21 years old also I was surprised I was there was not as many young people Mm -hmm. yeah Um, so I'm happy that there are so many different BIPOC um, retreats now Mm -hmm. which I think is awesome and I actually just taught one at uh, Biasitos in New Mexico and uh, have taught in the past at spirit rock one people color retreat the one at ims so i think that's great that those are happening in so many different places and are by and large it seems filling up wait lists for practicing together in community Mm -hmm. Uh, so i think that's awesome
0: and were you involved at all with the before the pandemic teacher training that was mostly with people of color
1: at spirit rock Um, and ims
0: and i think irc is part of it now
1: yeah, place. not directly. I mean, I've, I've dropped in to do a session here and there, but I was not mm-hmm. one of the organizer-type people. Um, I was involved with with uh, Larry and Spring on the Leadership Council at East Bay Meditation Center in mm-hmm. the early days also mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for some years. So mm-hmm. um, I think also that's another thing is like having good urban Dharma centers mm-hmm. uh, in places where people live in which they can practice and In some ways, learn the basics. Like, I think it's good for people to go on retreat. Um, In some ways, like, my perspective is that it's helpful to have done some meditation before you go on retreat. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, but many people come and they haven't done much or they've done, you know, like 10 minutes on an app or something like that. And then it just feels like a lot to sit Mm -hmm. 45-minute periods and to do that, you know, all day. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. when you go on retreat, it's like meditation boot camp, you know, it requires a yeah. certain amount of discipline and um, stamina of kind of mental training, and I think sometimes people underestimate that. And you know, also I think the word retreat is used many different ways. So sometimes mm. you can go to a retreat that's like hot tubs and uh, you
0: know, <laughs> yes, yes, like yes, hang out yeah. and uh-huh. uh, you
1: know campfires and whatnot, as opposed to this is like really. Uh, training, you know, like intensive training. So because of that, I liken it often more to um, like doing a a 10k or a marathon or something like that. Mm -hmm. And some people can just drop in to do a 10k. They just decided that morning and they go and they do fine. Mm -hmm. But the majority of people, vast majority of people could benefit from a couched 10k program, you know, where they (laughs) start for several months ahead of time, like, okay, I'm Mm going to run like a few blocks, then I'm going to run like quarter mile then half yeah. mile then mile you know gradually yeah. up yeah. then it's not as hard when you get to the 10k so likewise with the intensive retreats which in our tradition insight meditation tradition is uh quite a rigorous schedule you know often going from 5 36 a.m till 930 p.m something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and basically the schedule is alternating sitting and walking for 45 minute periods uh and uh is in silence except for maybe three or four periods when the teacher is giving instruction mm-hmm. and then maybe like one or two, time, you know, Q&A time, a little bit, maybe 15 minutes and then one or two meetings with teachers. So you really have to have a pretty steady uh, ability to both be interested in doing that, have the discipline to do it, have it not seem impossible, <laughs> you know, uh-huh, things like uh-huh. that. So yeah, I guess that's one of the things that it's helpful for us. Folks to know, getting into it, since uh, mindfulness has become more um, prevalent, which I think is great. But yeah, retreat is uh, is no joke. You know,
0: I did. It's I a, started out in the Insight tradition too at Spirit Rock,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. and uh,
0: was at the first People of Color retreat in ninety eight
1: That's oh, Spirit great. Rock.
0: Yeah, yeah, and was at that first meeting when the Urban Center was uh, an idea of Spirit Rock. Mm. Also back Oops. in the 98, I think, maybe 99 at the latest. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So when you teach now, because you teach both to the larger insight community, which, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but for the most part are not people of color. Uh, and then you teach BIPOC retreats at times. And so where what is the difference in is there any in how you teach? Or, or by that, I don't mean just, you know, the dharma that you teach, more the way or what do you incorporate or what do you look out for, except for maybe, you know, there are newbies and all of these who think they can just do it. That's
1: not a, a color-based thing. <laughs> no, no, that's a very general common thing. And actually, one more thing I'll say regarding that is that, um, you know, during the pandemic, there's been... Um, mm-hmm. a lot of people both who faced a lot of suffering and mm-hmm. uh, then who started meditation uh, mm-hmm. using some apps and things like that. And I'm actually on some apps too. So I'm not knocking apps at all, but when you use an app, there's like guided meditation in your ear, you know, mm-hmm. for that whole time. Mm-hmm. But when you come in meditation retreat, uh, we leave gaps. in when we are saying things, you know, so, cause I've had people say on retreat, uh, like, Oh yeah, I just wish there was more guided meditation. And uh, we say, well, we were guiding you and they were like, yeah, but you're not talking the entire time. <laughs> no, no, we're saying something and then we're giving you space to actually like observe that in your own experience. So uh-huh. just so people know, it's going to be different than being on a, you know, in a guided app.
0: Yeah. If you can come
1: on retreat like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do teach both, you know, kind of mainstream general retreats and retreats for people of color. And I teach uh, LGBTQ retreats also, mm-hmm. LGBTQI retreats mm-hmm. for sure in different places. Um, and The Dharma is the same, for sure. Dharma is the same. I think the examples that we might use to describe it, Mm -hmm. uh, to tell stories, to illustrate the metaphors we might use could be different. And then I think just primarily for many people, uh, the sense of being able to relax in the community can feel Mm -hmm. different. I -hmm. think that's one reason why uh, people want to be on retreats with other people of color is that, uh, there's a sort of vigilance that might be there. Mm -hmm. Even when people are not talking to you, that you notice Mm -hmm. you have sort of an armor one has put on as a person of color moving around in a white supremacist world. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, being around other people of color, to some extent, this can Mm -hmm. relax a little bit more. And then Mm -hmm. that uh, allows for more spaciousness, openness, um, ability to uh, be vulnerable, to access the dharma, Of that, that being said, I also don't want to minimize that. I think, with uh, your broader like BIPOC or people of color communities, there's a variety of us there. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's a lot of diversity within that umbrella Mm -hmm. of different races, of different uh, ethnicities, of different experiences, of ages, of sexual orientations, and Mm -hmm. it could be that even class, for sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, within that, then you feel like, oh, everything is not uh, lining up too so I think for um, all of us you know one suggestion for our communities is that we need to be humble and continue to do our work around mm-hmm. uh, all of these different aspects of recognizing ways in which like anti-black racism anti-asian racism you know mm-hmm. all of these different like homophobia mm-hmm. uh, gets baked into what we learn our conditioning and then it can play out in our uh, the way that we deal with each other so one thing is to be able to be in spaces that are bipoc, but just to recognize that all of us still have work to do as humans, and mm-hmm. in, uh, or investigation to do. Maybe I could say to make it seem more. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: the dharma is the same. Do you do you have a story or an example of how the framing of the dharma or a specific dharma points might be different from one community to to another that you
1: teach in? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Let me think from this last retreat that I talked there was like some examples of it.
0: Um, I think just describing
1: experiences from my life as a person of color, you know, mm-hmm. illustrates, um, moving around and with the Dharma and, um, and then also I think for many people of color is like, how do we deal with, um, meeting racism in the world? You know, mm-hmm. Like, how can we, um, work with that. I think also for people of color and this is generally and I think this is something from our insight meditation tradition there's a recognition that the dharma meditation is really transformative and mm-hmm. revolutionary and stunning and also for most many people who come also bipoc people who come to um, these convert centers they're converts right so they're, or they're not even converts they're just like coming for the experience or the mm-hmm. training Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it's one of like many tools that they might be using Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. try to unwind from suffering and i think in our tradition inside meditation tradition there's a lot of recognition that there are also other psychological tools that can be helpful for people uh, particularly around dealing with trauma and Mm -hmm. uh, traumatic uh, modalities like somatic therapy and things like that Mm -hmm. that are really good complements to that also in coming to retreat Those back to the kind of marathon, half marathon kind of metaphor. Uh, You want to have a certain measure of like physical health if you're going to try and do something like that, Mm -hmm. right? Like a a marathon, this is in the metaphor, right? And so similarly for doing a retreat, you do need to have a certain level of psychological stability Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to be removing the usual uh, comforts that you have, the usual refuges that you might go to in your life from your home and dog and partner and music and you know even alcohol drugs all of that Mm -hmm. so you need to be stable enough to be able to um take advantage of that and there are times in our lives in which we're not you know when Mm -hmm. we've had a recent traumatic experience Mm -hmm. or just in general or in some period in which we're working through some other uh stuff and it's no judgment on that it's just that it's good to understand then the methodology that will help me during those times maybe um more therapeutic and being around friends being in nature certainly you can always do like some amount of meditation like half an hour 15 minutes something sometimes you can't even do that though mm-hmm. but uh during those times do not come on an intensive silent meditation retreat like that mm-hmm. is not helpful for your system mm-hmm. and um will be too much yeah
0: i'm just curious is there any shift in the way you taught where you brought forth your identity as a BIPOC more and in terms of how you taught, does,
1: mm. that, does that make sense or? Yeah, um, it's possible. And it's also, possible that someone else will have a better reflection <laughs> than somebody, <you> know? <laughs> yeah. like I may not be as self aware about it, but like, I think I always have used some examples from my personal life, but I also use a lot of metaphor, you know, mm. like nature metaphor, And things like that. So probably on the spectrum of people who tell a lot of personal stories or stories from someone else or something like that, Mm -hmm. I might be a little bit more leaning towards the telling stories from the actual suttas Mm -hmm. and also using um, metaphors from nature and, uh, yeah, nature, science, just general city life, like stuff like that to help Mm -hmm. people to understand the Dharma points. So, I don't think that I have. I don't. I don't know that that has been a progression before me in the teaching. Um, I do know that there has been like some. Um, I guess two two things. One is that I, I heard you talk about the CDL and things like that, and um, yeah, I think Spirit Rock, IMS, like our general insight meditation communities, have done a good job of. Um, developing variety of different levels of leadership to allow dharma to be accessed uh, by different communities and Mm -hmm. people have been trained who can teach in um, different communities of color but also in um, like folks who are recovering from addiction um, folks who live in more rural places um, Mm -hmm. those who work with youth um, you know, like variety of different, uh, types of community Dharma leadership. And I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, also the, like, sometimes people have a sense of, Oh, the best thing to do would be like, Oh, I want to be a Dharma teacher, like a retreat Dharma teacher. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, I, like my general advice to people who have those ambitions is focus on your practice. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the main thing is, to aim towards liberation and freedom let's say yeah. mm-hmm. and if it so happens that along that path uh you become called to be a retreat teacher which does um require like a different level of experience realization understanding than doing community dharma leader stuff then mm-hmm. you know so be it but if it's if it doesn't come then like um beware of these sort Tanha Baba, always say like the craving for becoming mm-hmm. of uh, to become this person in front of the room, and you know all this kind of stuff like that. As far as like the teaching, you know trajectories. This is maybe a different topic than what, or different angle on what you're talking about. But sure. I have noticed that um, I was talking to some colleagues about this recently. That there's a way in which uh, you know, in general, like as a person of color or a woman or gender queer person, or um, you know, even seemingly perceived as younger, even though I don't think I am anymore, uh, that, um, you know, in general, like even in professional realms, so I've done a lot of training and, uh, you know, I have an MBA, I've done consulting work and presentations, this and that, you know, there's a common experience that we have of getting pushback uh, from, you know, oftentimes from white men or people who are not used to seeing someone like ourselves Mm -hmm. in a position of leadership. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's been actually like a common thing throughout my career in a variety of different things. And some uh, teaching colleagues of mine who have not had to do that kind of group presentation thing, you know, whose Uh work has primarily been like one on one, like as a therapist Mm -hmm. or something like that, Mm -hmm. I think have not had to deal with that as much. And so then they come into the Dharma and suddenly they're getting pushed back Mm -hmm. um, as they're sitting there on the stage presenting. And someone will Mm -hmm. ask a question, usually a, a male 99% 99% of the time a white male sometimes a man of color right who's like questioning uh what you're saying or it it really is like rankling them in some way that like you're the one <laughs> like that right uh-huh. and um and sort of how to deal with that and I think there was a point earlier in my teaching uh like I I went into my teacher training which was like a four-year teacher training through IMS Rock in 2005 so it was like 2005-2010 I think Mm -hmm. Um, But my teacher had invited me to start teaching Dharma in 1998. So it was kind of like, took a while before I really took the seat. And I think Mm -hmm. when I finally did take the seat, um, I felt much more confident in the Dharma coming through. So So, it was kind of like a familiar experience to have these guys challenging like mm -hmm. this. But definitely at first it would be like a little more ripples for me in that happening. Mm -hmm. Then I went through a phase in which like it didn't actually cause ripples, but I also couldn't be bothered really addressing it in some ways. Mm -hmm. And then now I feel like just completely comfortable and confident. I'm like, go ahead, like whatever, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's actually important to address that for the assembly in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. So I I noticed that when I was reflecting with my colleagues and like going through those different stages as a teacher and Mm -hmm. now feeling really very, grounded and, and comfortable uh, in the practice of teaching, really, or in being um, in that role in the Dharma. I don't know if that is of interest to the general.
0: <laughs> no, no, I, I appreciate that because I can imagine, uh, as you were saying, I can imagine teachers of color leaning in and going, uh, can you give an example how you would address it for the assembly? That specific issue because we do get it a lot and often it starts out as uh I don't really have a question I have a comment (laughs) I have a comment (laughs) and then it's about some dharma point that they you know that that they want to they
1: they don't quite say I'm pushing you on it or I disagree with you but yeah no I mean even that like is such a um I'm, I was laughing because it's such a stereotypical thing to happen, even if you do a conference presentation of some yes. kind, you know, yeah. like, yep. Yep. Exactly. you know, where someone raised their hand, like, this is more of a comment than a question. It's like, no, 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 no we're taking questions <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, first of all, in Dharma, I will shut that down and be like, we only have 15 minutes. So let me just take the questions first. So, like, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. This is valuable
0: for up and coming
1: teachers color.
0: Or maybe I our guess, teachers, but yeah. we think, oh, we're supposed to, you know, take every, meet everything that comes, arises, you know, in an open way. So no, oh. I think that's great to just say, right, eh, don't, don't need to go there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, totally. Like you are the only one who can facilitate that room. If you are, if it's a silent meditation, routine, <laughs> you know, not talking. like it's literally on you to like manage that, you know, and uh, uh-huh. the amount of time is taken by someone and, um, yeah, I think I was, again, more confident because I'd look at the, um, sometimes when someone challenged me like that, I'd go back and look at their sheets. So we get these sheets mm-hmm. of their experience and this and that. And invariably, there's someone who would practice for like three months or some ridiculous <laughs> thing, right? I practiced for like 30 years, right? And they're like, oh, let me tell you about this. So I like, you do not know what you're talking about. Like, first of all, I know you don't know what you're talking about from what you're saying, but then, right. you know, to look at the thing is like, wow. But then you could see that it's just their habitual conditioning. So usually mm. it's... Um, like older men who have some profession, like doctor, professor, you know, some kind of like um, thing in which their conditioning has been to have to be know-it-all, you know, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. actually very tiring too. You know, Mm -hmm. I like I have some compassion for that. It's like exhausting Mm -hmm. to have to be a know-it-all all all the time. It's not relaxing, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But then there is something I think about some, um, you know, this comes from patriarchy and white supremacy that it's unconsciously difficult for them to see someone else in the position of authority right it's like disrupting the framework that they've been in all their life mm-hmm. um but i think like yeah this is a good disruption it's better for everyone you know like i think mm-hmm. it's better for everyone to see people of color in the seat of spiritual authority it's better for everyone to see women there and queer people and you know like uh rather than in very like patriarchal kind of religions where it's like oh only the male is the spiritual authority or the leader mm-hmm. i think everyone suffers from that both men and women and all genders you know mm-hmm. it's like a very limited and um inaccurate uh representation of the sacred and uh spiritual authority and all of that so so yeah in that way like it's not it's not personal i guess that's another thing too like from mm. having you know encountered this like I think I could accurately say like hundreds of times at this point, really throughout my like professional career too so mm-hmm. it's like thirty years right? mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. uh, and and interestingly, like now that I just feel so completely confident and comfortable, and I don't have a formula for how to deal with it, but like it's almost like I can be playful with it um but it it happens less because I think there's just some groundedness that is like not uh. Yeah, I don't know. Just like not having it in some way. So, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh.
0: All right. So, is there an edge to your teaching now? what is the edge of your teaching, if mm. you have if you have one?
1: You know, I'm I'm doing more of like teaching in nature and mm. uh, exploring, doing the practice outdoors in nature, or having the retreats be even more outdoors ish. Uh, so I think that is an interesting edge for me. I have in the past, I've done a lot of like leadership work. So I continue to do that. Um, but now I'm integrating also this, uh, you know, awareness of the wildlife and animals and birds and whatnot.
0: Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to say or something I haven't brought up that you
1: want to? Um, let's see what what else to say. Um, I think that's to the the convert point, you know, like, yeah, I don't think, I don't know how many people who come in our retreats identify as Buddhists really don't require that whatsoever. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like there are um, practices of human development that anyone can benefit from. Um, at a certain point of going through them, I think um, many people naturally recognize that this is actually really helpful. And it's not just the meditation part too. Like, I feel like, um, This is also an important point to make is that the buddhist path is an eightfold path right so there's a lot of stuff that we can do to practice and free ourselves from suffering that has to do with paying attention to our conduct to our relationship to drugs and alcohol to our speech to like what we do as our work in the world how we impact others Mm. um to clarifying view through listening to dhamma talks and you know trying to understand um understanding how we relate to death and aging and sickness you know all of this so all of that is not retreat practice mm-hmm. right, per se it can be done on a retreat but um, a lot of it can also be done outside of retreat and it's important to note that because to the extent that I said also like oh retreat is not for everyone all the time you can always find some place on eightfold path to connect with
0: so mm-hmm. as long as you're
1: doing that then there's some um, sort of forward motion some of something that's onward leading I would say same time like i think people are often just coming to try to free themselves from suffering in some way or another and then people have connected with other modalities and you know i mentioned about therapy and somatic therapy and stuff like that and i know that now there also is uh, like significant interest in psychedelics and Mm. different kinds of um, drugs or plant medicine or things like that and i would say like it's just good to be aware of what path you're on right Mm -hmm. um and Follow the guidelines of that path, like follow the teacher when you're on that path and do that. Don't try to haphazard mix and match uh, things, mm-hmm. <laughs> as I would say. So mm-hmm. in in this way, also, I would say, um, you know, interestingly, in this period of time in the West, there's actually access to so many different like teachers and methodologies and mm-hmm. um, schools of Buddhism and, you know, in every which thing. And You know, there's one story of like, well, you could um, dig like one well 50 feet down to try to strike water or like 10 wells, five feet each, and then which one's going to be more successful, right? So of course, the dig one well 50 feet deep. So whatever it is that you find that resonates with you, if it's the Zen tradition or uh, Theravada tradition or even within Theravada, there are many different uh, schools, Um, I'd say just like commit for, to that for a while a while means years i would say of practice mm-hmm. in that and um yeah gain some mastery over some uh ability to balance train understand the mind and heart and you will benefit you know for the rest of your life mm-hmm.
0: oh. i think that's a lovely ending
1: all right for you right.
0: all right yeah this has been Reverend Leanne, your host for this episode from opening Dharma Access with Anushka Fernando Pule, sharing that Dharma experience as a BIPOC teacher. Look for Lama Karma Yeshe Chodron, Sister Peace, and Lila Bothwell, the other co-hosts, as they share their discussions with more teachers in the coming months. Look for new episodes on the first Tuesday of every month. In between episodes, we'll also share meditation Mindfulness practice, chant, or another form of practice from our guests with you. Come back to check that out and to keep on listening to our BIPOC teachers. Be sure to subscribe to notifications and rate and review the podcast to help us spread the word. Check the episode notes for resources and email us at suddenleap. The letter A, the number 2, the letter Z is in Z at gmail.com with any questions. Let's open Dharma access to all beings.